Las acciones dicen más que las palabras. Abre el Pro Access Tailgate disponible de la nueva Ford F-150. Sí, una puerta oscilatoria de fácil acceso para convertir su cama en tu nuevo taller. Conecta tus herramientas al Pro Power Onboard disponible. Ya sea que necesites soldar o cortar madera, con la F-150 puedes. Fuerza así de inteligente solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Pro Access Tailgate disponible en la primavera de 2024. I'm McGee, that's Cornelius, we have a very special guest we'll introduce in a moment, but we always start in the same place, same question, well, what are we that's smoking right. today, sir? Well, you know what, that's going to lead right into our guest today, because we've got our guest who's uh, smoking the one of the versions of the trifecta, I am smoking the Sassier, um, and I'm you are smoking... Boy Viva? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a. He'll, he'll straighten us out here in a second. <laughs> but these are all from the cigar uh, company known as Tobacco. And the founder is here with us today. His name is Patrick Potter. And with no further ado, welcome, Patrick. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for traveling such a long way. And uh, so. When you were here last time, there's a lot of stuff I wanted to ask you. Now I get a chance to ask ask these questions and to get answers that a lot of people want to know. So you have to tell me, how did you get into cigars? Well, let's see. Um, I was 14 years old, and I had a part-time job working in a warehouse of what is known as the uh, Tinderbox International which my grandfather and his partner owned uh, and started in 1946. Does that have anything, I'm sorry to interrupt, but does that have anything to do with the tinder box that's in Memphis? So, yes. And oh, I'll, wow. t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a brief story of the Tinderbox uh, family history is, uh, um, Tinderbox started in 1928. It was founded by Ed Colpin. Ed Colpin worked in a uh, pharmacy and was a kid, basically a teenager, uh, who uh, part of the responsibilities was to sell these small little Corona cigars in from a box that sat on the counter that said Tinderbox, oddly enough. So, um, you know, being what it was, he you know, kind of stayed with the concept. And now in his mid-20s, um, 1946 starts, or 30s starts, uh, decides to open a shop in Santa Monica, California, called the Tinderbox. And um, his uh, starting a business not knowing what he's doing, you know, uh, is eliciting help from kind of wherever he can. And uh, makes friends with my grandfather, Bob Gabriel, who turns out that he's in the real estate insurance business and helps the guy figure out how to get insurance for the business and uh, as a pipe smoker himself and uh, 
just, I don't know, I think, I think he saw it. I think he saw, like, he'd been, he'd been pretty good, my grandfather, about forecasting things over the years. Saw something really with a lot of potential there and said, you know, let's look at opening, like, multiple stores of these because it's yeah. really popular. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they designed, my grandfather really, more of that than him, designed the model for which they were going to open multiple stores. And they did that by creating a franchise model. So, except for about 15 of them, which they own privately, all the other tinder boxes worldwide, about 820 of them are franchises. Wow. wow. So, the uh, uh, tinder box sold to a uh, national cigar distributor called Villazon um, in, uh, in the mid-80s, um, late-80s, and um, which... Villazon then became General Cigar Company. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get the, yeah. the connection. history and the connection yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and so you've got, um, uh, and then they were, and then they were credited as the largest North American retailer of cigars and pipe tobacco. Um, so that's where I got my start. Fourteen years old in the storeroom, stocking legacy product. Um, you know, getting really curious about stuff. My first cigar was an Onyx Black. Uh, which was a bit strong for a kid, yeah. but you know, <laughs> if you, when you get to know me, you'll realize that was the perfect cigar. Was mm-hmm. it? Um, things went on the deep end. Yeah, things, well, well, that's kind of yeah. I'm just kind of <laughs> one of those, you know, ask questions later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like. Um, so during that period, I, one of the things that I did is uh, I was uh, traveled with them to various places around the country, mm-hmm. Miami being one of them, and. One of those trips was a factory tour at La Gloria Cubana. So here I am, 15, in Miami, which was awesome, mm-hmm. uh, traveling around with my grandfather and, and a couple of people who yeah. were just awesome people in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sitting here in Ernesto Carrillo's factory, wow. meeting a very young, very, very, uh, uh, very amazing man, you know, who... Uh, you know, it's turned out to be just, just he just has gotten better and better and better as he's gotten older. Mm-hmm. His craft has just been just incredible. I mean, and that's, you know, uh, hallmarked by his, you know, cigar aficionado number one from, you know, a year and a half ago. So, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, you know, he's just, you know, between t- growing a great, growing great tobacco, he's grown a great family. I mean, his daughter is doing incredible things with the company and, uh, I have no doubt that uh, um, EP Carrillo will be a long-lasting brand you know, yeah. as we as we continue to move forward. Um, but that's where I first got my first introduction, and um, so we fast forward. You know, life goes on. I decide to get into it. Um, go into the food business. Um, I apprenticed to be a chef at sixteen, and um, during that process, I. Uh, one of the things during the, the uh, apprenticeship was um, a lot of skills. You had to develop a lot of skills, like knife cutting skills, and you know, um, not just cooking. You know, it was about formulation. It was about um, the science behind food. And so, one of the things my chef did was he sat us down um, every quarter, and we did product identification tests, blindfolded, where they would puree. 10 different items and make you guess what they are. You know, if you got less than five, they kick out. Mm-hmm. Train the palate. 
basically. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Train the power. And mm-hmm. so, um, and that that got more and more difficult as the apprenticeship, you know, continued. And so by the end, not only could we identify purees, and he'd do like he'd do crazy things like give you apple hickam and potato. <laughs> by the time, and then come back to Apple. And by the time you got back to Apple, you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, you just you, you f- just fine tune that palate down to the perfect, and it's the combination of texture and, and you know aroma and how the nose and the soft palate plays a role in flavor. If you hold your nose, you can't taste anything. If you have a cold, you can't taste anything. So it just continues. It, you know that science is what I bring forward and what I do. And so, um, in 2015, um, a friend of mine approached me about becoming a distributor um, for two reasons. One, definitely selfish. The other, more entrepreneurial. And and the entrepreneurial was, hey, listen, there's a bunch of shops in town. You know, there's this, like, two distributors. They're mostly mostly in Northern Cal. There's no footprint in Southern Cal. You know, this would be kind of a really cool thing if we could, like, go in and, like, handshake people and, like, do, like, distribution. Yeah. And then, of course, the other side was, and we get access to all these cigars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, like, cost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, the best part about doing a podcast on cigars. We just smoked <laughs> everything. I didn't uh, pay for the one I'm smoking right now. <laughs> uh, let me tr- trust me, you'll be paying for it at some point. It's good. That's why, this, you know, it's like sex and a date, pal. You always get <laughs> We'll be back. So I just, um, I, as, I'm, as I'm developing the business with him um, and we're looking at stuff, he decides to take a different turn and walks away, like whatever, just his own personal thing. And so I uh, stayed with it um, and thought, well, the FDA is looming in the background about possibly regulating cigars and what is that going to do? Um, Am I safer to stay in distribution? Am I, do I want to take a crack at blending my own cigar? So I just, it was really that easy. Uh, I just made that very simple decision. And within about a month and a half, I was on a plane in Nicaragua. Wow. Wow. So the thing is, is, you know, I always wondered when it comes to food, right? Now, me personally, uh, I just had, uh, just had lamb chop. This past summer, I mean, this past weekend, and I said to myself, um, the people that I took to this particular restaurant uh, to have lamb chops, they said, "Oh, you know, we should go here, we should go there, we could, you know, this way, that way." I said, "Let me tell you, the way that they make these lamb chops, it, it's it's the best. All right, the minute it hits your palate, you're gonna." Now, I knew personally that I had a specific cigar I wanted to smoke that night, so I knew. The way that those lamb chops were prepared, how that was going to mix with. So there were six people that showed up. Hopefully they won't listen to this uh, podcast. But anyway, my main reason for getting us all to that particular restaurant is because I knew that when I left, I was going to light up that cigar. So the question then comes in, not only with food, as food is concerned, but also with the blending of the cigar. When you're blending, because you've blended you know, everything that you offer in your portfolio, you blend. Is that correct? Yes. So do you think of certain things, you know, like 
um, coffee, uh, different other pairings, uh, meals, or anything, because you've you've got both sides of the, you know, both sides of the uh, equation, so to speak. You know, you know when that hits your palate, what is going to happen. You uh, when food hits your palate, you know when tobacco hits your palate, what's going to happen. Sure. So do you is that the process when you're thinking does that ever even if subconsciously does that go through your mind so what i don't i don't typically i don't associate food and tobacco together at the in the blending process mm-hmm. i think about it after the fact in a big way mm-hmm. um one of the things that uh, in the for me blending was about figuring out the difference between uh tobaccos that complement each other and those that conflict with each other the same thing that goes with your lamb chops. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things you just don't pair with lamb chops. I mean, you just don't, you're not going to put turmeric on, on lamb chops. Right. You know, um, it's just, you know, maybe in some country you would, but no place nearby would you think, oh, a, uh, a turmeric-crusted uh, uh, lamb chop would sound good mm-hmm. because it doesn't sound, or a juniper berry on, <laughs> right. on, on something, you know. Yeah. So, you know, there's there are certain pairings like a certain you know formulation of flavors that you want to be able to convey mm-hmm. to someone uh, my biggest thing was is i went through 40 45 different leaf varietals and burnt smelled tasted um and then combined to get and understand what conflicts with what mm-hmm. in my palate mm-hmm. and what complements so then you know, for me, after I after I, I realize what a blend is going to be within within uh, you know uh, half a leaf or two, mm-hmm. um, I'm then saying to myself, "Oh, well, let's think of pairing options after the fact, because then we can capitalize not only the cigar but in the food realm of that." Because I'm one of the things I have is I have a brick and mortar of my own in Beverly Hills in a hotel, and so a lot of the cigars there I pair to the hotel's menu so there's a lot of things that I would say would go really great with a club sandwich but not with a steak Um, and so I'm really careful about how to do those pairings as well as the pairings to spirits and to non-spirits Jose Blanco who's a dear friend and mentor of mine um, says from day one that Cigars were designed to be enjoyed as an accoutrement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he is always interested in finding that perfect pairing between whatever he's eating and smoking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's Absolutely. definitely certain cigars I'd like with whiskey, certain cigars I prefer with beer, mm-hmm. certain cigars I prefer with coffee, etc. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain leaves uh, in the morning, a Sumatra, a you know, nice Connecticut, a, you know, Habano, you know, type of a leaf in the morning. Then I graduate to the Corojos and some of the more medium, and, you know, for every, for every time I mention a particular leaf, you know, I always say to myself, because I have a lot of people that come in and they always ask questions about, hey, tell me, tell me what it is that I want. You know, I'm like, wow, okay, now, <laughs> but did you, did you eat dinner yet? Uh, what are you going to be drinking at, at the bar here? You know, sure. uh, what is it that you like? Uh, do you usually smoke, you know, light body? Do you usually smoke medium body, full body? You know, narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down. Now, this is 
someone who's going through the process of fitting someone with a cigar after it's already been blended and is sitting on the shelf. So from a blender standpoint, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about, I mean, you have a complex palate. A lot of people, you know, don't necessarily have, I always have to consider that not everyone has the same palate that I have. Obviously, for someone who blends cigars, their palate is a lot more trained. How do you go through that process and saying, you know, um, I spoke with an executive chef just the other day because we're putting together a menu for the kitchen that we're putting that we're bringing here to the to the lounge, and he just rattled off all of these combinations, and he says, "Yeah, that sounds great." He says, "But doesn't really, if no one orders it, it really sure. doesn't make a doesn't sure. make a difference." Sure. Well, so when you come up with a cigar, how do you say this is going to work? You know, this is so there are okay, so there are two. Steve Saka says there's two kinds of guys. There's guys that make cigars, and then there are marketing weenies. So um, I haven't met any marketing weenies yet, um, <laughs> but I can say to myself, I can say maybe I'm half a weenie, um, and by saying that I blend cigars based on what I think I'm going to like and what I think you're going to like, um, and my style for cigar making is different. It seems more similar to Illusione, maybe, but very different than a lot of people because every sub-brand that I make is a 180-degree departure from the last thing I did. I don't like similarity. I like a brand to have its own integrity. Um, I don't want to be chef-driven. I want to be product-driven, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, And maybe that says, well, I'm just so all over the place and fragmented or... I have such a such a spectrum of mm-hmm. profile that I can uh, sort of uh, adapt to any uh, any any flavor profile, mm-hmm. uh, and that might be true. I mean, I'm you know maybe I'm transient. I don't know. There's you know all kinds of little definitions in there that we could maybe maybe label me with. But ultimately, I just like making something that that not only captures my creative mind, but also my creative palate, and that doesn't remind me of anything I've made previously. So. At the moment, I'm smoking the uh, Brazilian Montefino Sumatra from the Sumatra side. There's nothing in my repertoire that is this cigar on this side. Nothing. Nothing I make. The Hoy Vivo's not this way. The CCR's not this way. The other trifectas are not this way. The Unknown's not this way. And the new projects that are coming in the next year and a half aren't, don't taste this way. So that's the, that's the direction I'm heading. Um, well, we have a diverse cigar community. It makes sense to have diversity in your offerings. And maybe that's just by accident that I'm doing it that way, yeah. not on purpose. Well, I think I think variety. Okay, when I when, when I first got into cigars, and I don't mean when I first started smoking cigars. When I first started smoking cigars, I smoked the exact same cigar to the tune of three to five boxes a month. And I just smoked the heck out of that cigar. Right. And somebody said, you know, you should try maybe something a little different. And I'm like, nope, I know what I like. Creature habit. However, one day I tried something different. And I think what it was is that I tried it different at a certain time of the day. Of the day. My palate was, was, had been seasoned. 
um, by that particular meal, by that particular. And then it hit me that variety in cigars is part of the beauty of cigars. It's part of the beauty to say, because we all know the cigar blenders and manufacturers, and I'm not going to say any lines, but they come out with a different line in the same cigar, and you're like, oh, wow, it tastes just like the cigar before, okay, that everything in this line pretty much tastes the same as yeah. what's in that line. And I'm trying not to put any cigars out there because there's a lot of great cigars that do that. However, it's good to be able to go to a manufacturer, go to a blender, and the diversity in that line can hit you at different points. And you say, you know what, after I finish my coffee in the morning, I want this particular blend from this particular, you know, blender. And you know what, right after lunch, I'm going to have this, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to grab that. I'm going to go into my humidor and I'm going to grab this after, you know what, I'm sitting on the patio with a Manhattan, I'm going to try this. You know? sure. So, And you can do that when you have a blender that has that variety. And I want to get into your portfolio just a little bit for you to mention some of the different brands. Um, here at Capital Cigars, we carry all three of the trifectas. We carry the uh, Unknown and we carry the... Um, Say CR. Say CR. I'm constantly saying that wrong. The Say CR. And soon to be carrying a lot more. But um, just running down a little bit, you know, on the cigars, um, tell us a little bit about your portfolio and then some of the stuff that you that you have that is coming down the pipe that you can tell us about. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so I have three, I have basically three offerings right now. Um, which is trifecta and trifecta is really um, it's the perfect name for this line. Mm-hmm. It's actually the, the original name is Mustra D tobacco. It is my Mustra. It's my, my sample of my craft. Mm-hmm. It's something is so signature mm-hmm. to me that no one else is going to copy this cigar and they better not because there's a patent pending on it. Um, <laughs> there is a, it's the only cigar in that I'm told from a lot of different sources so I'm going to say the world that is smokable from either direction. Yes. Um, it is a perfecto in shape. It is even on both sides. It is a 64 ring gauge in the center. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the tapered ends come down to about a 50, 52. So any of those people that are like, oh, it's too big a ring gauge can shut up because it's in your mouth. It's not more than a 52 ring gauge. Um, the reason why it's 64 is because I couldn't get the flavor profile I wanted in anything smaller or larger. The exact, and that is a big tell for me. Yeah. Like everything I do size wise is comes in that size. That's why I don't like say CR is a 56 by five and a half. It doesn't come in a 52. It doesn't come in a 54. It doesn't come in a Lancero. It doesn't come in a 60. Because that profile, that exact flavor profile would change so dramatically, in my opinion, between those three lines that I wouldn't be able to keep track. Or what would happen is they would feel so similar to each other in some way. I don't want that footprint either. Absolutely. So I want CCR to stand on its own. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that doing this podcast with Neil I've learned from him is that the ring gauge really has a huge huge effect on the way the flavor is 
delivered or, or, or sure. you know, how it's all put together and come together. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, to interrupt for a second, so the, the trifecta line actually is six different offerings. Yes. Six different flavor profiles. That's correct. Three different cigars. Mm-hmm. So if you want, I mean, tri, the, the word trifecta, you know, most guys that know, know the horses, it's win, place, and show, right? Mm-hmm. It's so, a gambling podcast. We're um, familiar. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, there is, it, it, the trifecta is, is that all three cigars are a win. Um, they're also, I mean, a lot of play on this, on this word trifecta. The most predominant flavor that you're going to experience in the cigar comes from the binder and the two wrappers. Again, a trifecta of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, so the way that we, we, we did this is that we blended um, a very similar blend for the filler with some nuance, just a little bit of nuance, just to kind of give it a little of its own character. The binder on each cigar is very different. And then paired with the wrapper that we used in conjunction with the binder creates a flavor profile that is just unique in and of itself. It doesn't conflict and it isn't comparable to anything else in the marketplace. Because there's nothing in the marketplace that has a binder that's this way in a, in a wrapper with that product on it. So that's also been like really like very like we had to get really clear about we had to smoke a lot of stuff in the parking place to really know that make sure we're not copying anybody's shit because right. I don't want to do any of that I don't want to be I don't want to be like oh this tastes like this right. I don't want any of that bit mm-hmm. it's par for the course though because this is rice and beans pal mm-hmm. you know what I mean uh, it's like the blues there's only three chords yeah but there's a lot of great music out there that come from three chords yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so. This is the, so the trifecta design was this. The all three of these cigars were blended and created at the same time. It's just that I released the double Claro Habano first because I wanted something striking. I wanted something that really slapped a guy in the face in terms of traditionalism. Yeah. Um, if I came out with the Connecticut, Pennsylvania broadleaf first, people would have just instantly gone, "Oh, it's Maduro on one side and Connecticut on the other. What's the big deal?" You know, but. Now that having seen the double Claro Habano first, mm-hmm. that like really opened this like curiosity yeah. about what is going to be this next thing. Why is this next one going to be so different? And then of course, I the, a lot of the feedback that I've been getting is that the Brazilian Matafina Sumatra has been getting a lot of play, and it is definitely the of the three cigars the one that took the longest because mm-hmm. I wanted something that really was full body. But not harsh. I'm big on smooth. Yes. I'm yes. real big on smooth across yes. the, all my port, uh, the entire portfolio. The cigar has to be smooth, and so a lot of time in picking the right tobacco, a lot of time in making sure the fermentation was right, um, making sure that the aging, the mapping room for the cigar during the aging process was set at the right temp, and making sure that. You know, we were rotating cigars, you know, regularly and so forth, just to make sure that we just had a real consistency across the board. Because unlike cigars that just you throw on the shelf for 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 aging and like getting the ammonia out, these you have to actually turn them. You have to turn the, each, you know, each uh, each each cigar wheel. You had to go in and physically turn them so that you would get 
the consistency of both sides. Um, and so airflow would be working from both ends. That's, is that one of the challenges by doing the double-ended yeah. usage? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just so our listeners understand it, this is a Perfecto that can smoke differently from either end. Well, it's smoking differently in terms of its flavor, flavor profile. Correct. Right. The, yes. the, the cigar's construction mm -hmm. is, I'm not going to pat myself, I'm not going to break my arm too hard to pat myself on the back, but it's pretty good. You can, yes. you, you can smoke either side of the label if, you take, if, you're, if you're patient with it. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a lot of guys smoke past the middle, um, but you will get full ash on this up to the mid part of the cigar. The other thing I'll just mention is my recommendation is to leave the wrap, leave the label on the cigar in the midpoint mm -hmm. because the way in which we had to apply the wrapper, the apply, instead of applying the wrapper from the head to the foot, which is typically what occurs, or from the foot to the head, you know, and then, and then it's wrapped up at the top, et cetera, this had to be done from the middle out. Oh, wow. Um, and so the middle can be a little sensitive, yeah. a little fragile mm -hmm. in the middle. And so I say... Protect that by leaving the band on until you get to the middle, and then take it off. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of guys are tasting transitions. I, I, a lot of comments I hear. Um, I think the visual concept is that you see this line that's right in the middle, mm -hmm. um, and so the transition occurs right at that line. I think the transition occurs about a half inch before that line, okay. and I'm, a lot of feedback I'm getting is the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, back to your question about um, about people's palates and. and what they taste, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I have two, I, I have I have two thoughts. Um, there are two kinds of cigar smokers: those that taste nuance, and those that taste strength. And one of the things, and, and that's part of the trifecta design, was I wanted something that was going to meet the three sort of the three palate ranges that are in the marketplace. You've got a mild, medium guy. Because anybody who's smoking mild can smoke medium for the mm -hmm. most part, right? Mm -hmm. um, anybody who's medium can smoke medium plus, it can smoke medium mild, and they can smoke medium full. And the full guy can actually smoke medium and smoke full. So this is really where the trifecta plays a great role. The cigar geek loves this cigar because of all of the interesting notes and transitions that go, that go through mm -hmm. this cigar from either direction that you smoke it from. You know, spin the bottle, right? They get to experience the six very unique designs from all three cigars. Whereas the guy that tastes strength is going to get two. He's going to be able to, you know, he or she is going to be able to experience a strength model from one side that's different strength from the other side. Right. And, and that grows in, depending on which cigar you smoke from, from mild, medium to medium, medium, medium to medium full. Yeah, that's why the Brazilian Matafina is so fun mm -hmm. because I don't care what side you smoke the Brazilian Matafina, it's strong. Yeah, right. I mean, it's strong. The Cameroon binder on there, right. you know, just accentuates the Sumatra, brings out all that nut and leather and, and uh, you know, spice that we want. And then the Brazilian Matafina on Cameroon does the exact same thing, just a little more intense. Yeah. So, for someone like me that always smokes, I don't know, I've always smoked down to my fingertips. Um, the question isn't which side that I want to experience. It is which side do I want to experience first? Sure. <laughs> because once I pass the middle of the cigar, then the profile is going to change ever so slightly to the 
the second rap. I definitely so. look for a transition. Yeah. Now that's largely because of what I've learned. You know what I mean? Talking right. to you about cigars, but I look for a transition in a cigar. So we have a uh, we do a award every year. This being our first year, but we do an award every year, and it's called the Ashes. So we sat down and we said, okay, um, what? Just by our listeners, a lot of our listeners are more sports oriented, but they smoke cigars. Um, a lot of them are very cigar oriented, but they want to know, hey, what's the bet for or, this? Or <laughs> what, play a lot of poker, or play a lot of poker, or cigar, what have you. Yeah. So in that, we started to talk about, and we started to educate just a little bit on, you know, what to look for, what. Mm-hmm. We talked about transition. We talked about, you know, complexity and noticing the complexity. And as the cigar moves, we always review a cigar at the beginning of a podcast. And then we revisit it at the end of the podcast. Because now it's different. Usually usually it's different. So all of those different things. So coming from a, um, a technical background, you know, myself, I, as far as the trifecta is concerned, the, all the entire line, I really, enjoy the ingenuity that's actually put into the cigars. I go into any humidor. My humidor is at home. I'm going to get a cigar. It is going to, and I understand the the change that's going to happen and all of that. And that's what I look for. But with the trifecta, it throws me a little curveball there and I look at it and I start making a decision. And I think that decision or that ingenuity that went into the cigar prior, because what we're, I mean, Really what we're talking about, and I'm talking maybe not from a roller standpoint, maybe not from a blender standpoint, but from a consuming standpoint, what we really look for is we look for, um, diff- you know, ingenuity, something different. Sure. And this cigar, hands down, is something that a lot of thought, as you have explained, has went into. A lot of thought has went into and I appreciate that. When I go into my humidor and I explain it to different people, they appreciate it. And it's a refreshing, you know, it's a refreshing change. Yeah, it's a nice take that yeah. nobody else is doing. Yeah, I remember the cool. first time that we, because we did do it on the, after the ashes. Um, we did it on the podcast, and uh, I gave it to Greg, and I just remember him looking at it, and I says, hey, Greg, it goes both ways. Which, <laughs> one, which one are we going to smoke? You know, you smoke from that end, I'll smoke from this end. Yeah. We'll discuss it, and then at the end of the podcast, we'll we'll have a... Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have something totally different to discuss. So yeah. it's, a, it's a very, very unique cigar. Um, and uh, something that if you're in any city or any state, um, you want to search out. You know, it's, uh, it's unique. So you're not going to find it in every humidor. No, so when you, do, when you do find it, and you're find absolutely out where, not going to find it in every humidor. There you go. Because I'm as, as discerning as shops are about what brands they bring in mm-hmm. i'm discerning about what shops are carrying my brand yeah absolutely absolutely it's got to work yeah so this is kind of exciting because i've obviously i've this is the first time i've ever smoked a cigar with the blender of the cigar mm. right i imagine that's something very few people ever get to do so what tell me about this Hoy vivo that i'm smoking now Hoy vivo is a uh, is a i mean uh Hoy Vivo is my Cuban killer. It's the easiest way to call it. Um, 
at first glance, you know, it's it's uh, this particular one that you're holding in your hand is has the limited edition band on it for yeah. 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are only there there are very few of those. Um, there are um, they're they're scattered um, in a lot of the boxes. Uh, there's only a hundred boxes I made, so that's very limited. Wow. Um, they are a 50 count cabinet box. Um, so this particular limited limited edition uh, 2020 is um, it features something very unique, which is going to you know it's a good segue into CCR for a moment. So CCR and Hoy Vivo are related, um, and I'm not. The only way you're going to know how they're related is the fact that they both contain some, uh, the same Criojo tobacco leaf that I grew in Condego in 2018. Wow. Now, of course, we use different parts of that plant for both cigars, so their their flavor profiles are different. I mean, 180 degree different. Um, the Hoy Vivo, what makes it also very unique is that it has a... Uh, a dark rosado wrapper that's from 2011. Um, so just the fact that that cigar boasts a nine-year-old wrapper leaf absolutely is yeah. by itself what makes it special, mm-hmm. um, and in limited production for that reason. Um, blended together with me and Ernesto Carrillo, um, made at his factory Alianza in the Dominican Republic. Um, and produced in short supply. Um, and so it is, uh, um, yeah. When you used the word smooth earlier, it was exactly what I, like, it's a, it's a rich flavor, but there's, I mean, it's, it's very easy to smoke. It's very, I put this cigar on par with a Partagas E number two, a Magnum 56, Upman, um, Diplomatico, um, it's darker tobaccos. Yeah. Um, it's flavor profile is everything Cuban-esque that you want. Mm-hmm. It has that leather. It's got that yeah. nut. It's got a bit of spice. There's a little bit of cream. There's, um, there's that earthy flavor. There's, um, there's that sort of, uh, raw chocolate bit. There's yeah. a bit of that dark espresso bit going on. It's like all the things that you get out of those three Cuban cigars you are now able to get out of this very unique cigar. Well, that's one of the things that explains, you know, my favorite out of your profile, the CCR, because as Greg well knows, my favorite leaf is the Criollo. It's, I just love that leaf. It's leathery. It has the flavor, you know, and uh, still not as trained as your palate, but at least I know Hey, your uh, your uh, what you just what you just told me was like okay. That's you 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 hit me right between the eyes. That's why this cigar. Whenever I go in there to the to back line, uh, I always I'm like I'm gonna grab another Sacer, yeah. you know, because it's I love this cigar. So Sacer, why is it different than than Hoy Vivo? Yeah. So in Hoy Vivo. We actually used the Lejero from the Criollo plant in that cigar, whereas the Lejero is not contained in Cesar. 
Cesar is the only cigar that I'm aware of in the marketplace that does not contain Lejero. There is no power leaf mm-hmm. in the Cesar. However, however, mm-hmm. we used Viso, three leaves of Viso, two leaves of, of Seco, which is still makes the cigar, if you look at the ash, very dark, mm-hmm. containing a lot of nicotine. Absolutely. Darker the ash, more nicotine. Lighter the ash, mm-hmm. less nicotine. Can you expire roll? Just for our listeners, could you explain those, the Lajero and the three different uh, sure. the three different kinds? So so the so the cigar plant is basically anywhere from four to six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And the top of the plant, um, which is closest to the sun, is nicknamed Lajero, which in Spanish means light. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the space that gets the most light. Yeah. Now, at the very top of the plant, some plants, not every plant, there are a couple of leaves on the very, very top called Medio Tiempo. That is like the ultra version of Lijero. And that Medio Tiempo is used in a couple of different cigar you know, cigar lines, but was made very popular by Cohiba's Bihike. Yeah. Because it mm. featured Medio Tiempo in, in that blend. Now, we don't use Medio Tiempo, not... Not in the cigar, not in any of the cigars in my portfolio as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, TBA to be announced. So the top of the plant is Lajero. The mid part of the plant, as far as Nicaraguan, Honduran, and um, any place outside of Cuba is concerned, the middle of the plant is referred to as Visa, whereas in Cuba it's referred to as Seco. Mm-hmm. The bottom of the plant, which is sort of the last third of the plant, is in in Nicaragua and outside of Cuba is referred to as Seco, mm-hmm. um, but in Cuba is referred to as Volado, which is the lowest part of the plant. Mm-hmm. And that that's the lowest part of the plant where they can, where there is the least amount of, of sunlight and therefore the least maturity of the leaf. It's, it is dried out to the point where it is really combustion. It holds very little flavor mm-hmm. because flavor is associated to nicotine content. Mm-hmm. Um, so Viso leaves contain both nicotine and combustion, so they burn, but they don't burn at the same rate as Seco leaves do. And the Lajero leaf doesn't burn very much at all. It requires both the Seco leaf and the Viso leaf in order for it to combust properly. So typically a cigar is made up of five leaves, most standard cigars, a Lajero, uh, a, a Viso, a Seco, a binder, and a wrap. That is most con- most cigars construction. Blending, like scotch, mm-hmm. now offers a question of whether it's going to be a puro, which is a, a, a cigar that's made from just the indigenous tobaccos of that particular country, mm-hmm. um, or a blend, which incorporates tobaccos from other countries, like Ecuador, Honduras, Costa Rica, Brazil, uh, Africa, um, Cuba, in some, some cases, Peru, um, and Mexico and the United States. Mm-hmm. So blending, which is of course, you know, creating um, a flavor profile that incorporates these different aspects mm-hmm. is again, what makes the blending process really fun, interesting and creative and complicated, right? Mm-hmm. So there are lots of conflicts that are out there. CCR, the way that we designed CCR was that I wanted a cigar that Joe Cigar Smoker could retro exhale. Because 
90% of uh, American cigar smokers smoke what's called throat palate. It's throat slice. Everything is based on the palate on your tongue. Rather than the soft palate that sits above your tongue in the back of your throat, which is right there adjacent to your nasal passage. You can, anybody with an anatomy can look that up and have a look. It goes to the same concept that if you hold your nose, you can't taste anything in your mouth. Well, if you can retro a little bit of smoke through the back of your throat, up through your soft palate and out your nose, it's going to open up your secondary palate. That's going to produce this really interesting sensation. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of burn, possibly because of the spice. Some cigars more than others. Mm -hmm. But in, in CCR, very little. It was designed to retro. Now, there's something special in that cigar tobacco. During the fermentation, we used a special fermentation process, one that had never been used before. The process, yes, it's been used many times, been used by Cuba, it's, uh, Ernesto Carrillo uses it. It's a three-time fermentation process, but it's the, it's, the, it's the water liquid that we used to do the fermentation, which mm. I'm not telling you about. Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be a, my, my follow-up question. No but reverse engineering on this one. Let me just <laughs> tell you right now. thought I was going to get up there with Barbara Walters and Cronkite and all those guys. Okay. My interview so, skills. All right. So what happens is, is, is we, we picked, we picked all the, we picked all the tobaccos that we wanted to use the Visa tobaccos and the mm -hmm. Secret tobaccos for that. We bound everything in Nicaraguan Habano because it is a great leaf. Mm -hmm. It is so pleasant to the taste. Yeah. It's, it has those chocolatey notes. It has a little bit of that leathery notes. It has some of that nutty note. That's the stuff that we want the binder to have. And then the wrapper, we used a really great, straightforward Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Mm. Ecuador, Ecuador 2000 seed was the best seed made, grown ever, mm -hmm. the best. It's clean, it's... It's rich, it is, um, it is oily, it's got all the fundamentals of a beautiful looking shade wrapper. Mm -hmm. um, and so with CCR, um, being that it doesn't contain Lajero, that thing is strong, don't get me wrong. It's oh, yes. definitely it a is. medium. Yeah. It's a, it is a full medium, mm -hmm. despite the fact that it doesn't contain Lajero. Yes. Um, and so, um, but one of the things that I like doing is, like anyone else, you know, the, 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 strong, the strength of your draw plays a role as well as how much tobacco, how much smoke you're bringing into your mouth and how intense those flavors will be. So a lighter draw will be easier for you to palate. A stronger draw will be a, strong, will be a spicier draw. Something to think about when you're, when you're drawing a cigar. Um, that lends itself to construction. Um, the methodology that Guillermo Pena uses at his factory La Perla in Esteli um, is a Cuban-style um, bunching and rolling method. Um, he grew up in Cuba. Um, he comes from a town of probably the best cigar rollers in the world. Um, a lot of them go to the factories and, and escalate in, uh, in responsibility at those because of how good they are at their, at their craft. Um, Guillermo Pena is no less than that, that level of mastery, um, which is awesome to work with a guy like that because he then, you know, not only can I sit here and blend with him, but I'm gonna get prototypes that are very close to finished product. 
which is also important for me in terms of overall packaging, um, design, um, etc. So some of the things that are in the queue, uh, are, let me, I'll finish up by the unknown. The unknown, mm-hmm. the unknown I wanted to, to be unknown. I wanted it to be a, I wanted, I wanted the consumer to um, develop their own lore on the cigar. So I didn't put my label. I, on, the, on the cigar itself, you can't, you can't tell that it's a tobacco cigar. Mm-hmm. It's, got a, uh, it's got a symbol that I saw in a dream. It's a circle, a triangle, and some lines coming out. And it, some guys relate it to a uh, dark side of the moon thing. You know, um, more like dark side of the spoon. Um, <laughs> I made that point, I think, <laughs> when we smoked it. Because we, uh, we did the unknown on, on the podcast. We smoked yeah. it. I think I made that point. Uh, it's yeah, kind the dark of, side of the moon. The, the, yeah, Description vibe, to the yeah. label, yeah. Yeah, it, it, so it, it, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. But what it says on the box in Spanish is it says, all the gods, all the heavens, all the hells are within you. Mm-hmm. And I got that. I did it in Spanish because I didn't want to have any copyright problems with any movies that are out there that may have used the same, the same bit. But ultimately, the cigar, I wanted to elicit um, a thought process. I wanted you to think about it. And I wanted you to, to be creative in your own way mm-hmm. about what all that means and how that might affect you. And then, of course, the name of the cigar itself. And this is the first cigar that I know of that's named actually a hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag the unknown cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we can really capitalize in social media with that product. Yeah. So the next cigar, the, the reason why that cigar is unique of itself is that it boasts nine leaves. Nine individual leaves making that, making that cigar ridiculously complex. But you're going to tell us all those leaves right now. I could tell you, but I don't know what all of the nine leaves are. I do right know. There. I missed my I second do, opportunity. I do know I'm trying to get some of the leaves of the are. year here, Pedro. <laughs> I do know what some of the leaves are, and I will tell you what they are. So one of the leaves that is really unique about the cigar is that. Well, let's just tell you the nine, the nine, the the, the components of the nine leaves. Mm-hmm. There's two lajero, two different lajeros. Mm-hmm. There are three different viso leaves. There are two different seco leaves, a binder and a wrapper. Now, the binder and the wrapper, you can see. Uh, We left about a half an inch of the binder visible so that you could see that it was double claro candela. Yes, you see that. The wrapper itself is Pennsylvania broadleaf. The other unique thing that you can see if you look at the foot of the cigar is that it contains double claro viso, Mm -hmm. which is candela viso in the filler. Mm which has never been done before. There's such an interesting composition between the strong Lijeros and Visos that we put in the cigar, tempered with this, this Candela Viso that makes the cigar, by no stretch of the imagination, elegant in its taste. Um, it is the most elegant full-body cigar you will, you will probably smoke at least um, this year. See what happens. Well, most of the we actually well here at Capital Cigars, we we do have a very distinct group of because uh, it's a seventy gauge, right? Mm-hmm. It's a seventy gauge. We have a distinct group of seventy gauge cigar smokers, and so it was very very you know interesting to me to say, hey, I got something you need to try. 
come over here and try this. And they would try it, and well, you see that we're restocking today on that particular cigar. Because out of all the 70 gauge cigars that they smoked, they said, it's like I'm smoking a smaller cigar as far as the flavor profile, but I'm getting it in a larger cigar, and it's complex. That's hence yeah. the, you know, very complex. Yeah. Now, you know, um, with nine different, nine different leaves in that cigar, oh my gosh, well, no wonder that it's coming off as, you know, complex. Yeah. And with all of, all of my customers, our listeners, or everyone, that's one thing that, you know, stands out. When you smoke a cigar, you want to be able to see the complexity and you yeah. want to see the gradual change. Like, whoa, I just got... And the same with food. I mean, yeah. if you're smoking something and all of a sudden you notice the change in the in the flavor of the food, well, how much more, you know, uh, palatable is that food unless it's just that bland, I'm eating the exact same thing, you know, type of a, uh, type of an experience. Right. It's like the idea of consomme. Um, consomme, you know, mm-hmm. to a normal person just tastes like chicken broth. Right. But to a person that has, you know, a more complex palate, mm-hmm. they're going to taste all of the different herbs that went into the sachet that went into the in, into the top boat all the all those centralized flavors that get honed into into that soup mm-hmm. I mean that's why the soup is incredible by itself it's a lot of it's also like lobster bisque the idea of, of taking uh, shellfish and a variety of other things and and centralizing and rendering all those flavors down to a very small amount which is very you know very intense um, so here's what we're doing with with uh, Unknown. We like Unknown so much that I'm actually developing a 60 ring gauge uh, Unknown mm-hmm. um, in a five, 60 by 5 inch mm-hmm. uh, format. And because I'm really a Lancero fan, mm-hmm. I'm doing a 42 oh, wow. Lancero by 7. 17 count box, same, going to follow the same count for both boxes. But the difference in this is that it's actually going to be renamed the Unknown Lancero. Gotcha. Um, because it's going to boast some things that are not in the other two blends uh, that's going to make it probably not palatable to a lot of people. Gotcha. I want to kick you in the teeth. And is that going to be a 2020 release? That it might That might be. Yeah. might be a 21 release. We'll cool. see. There might be a pre-release. Yeah. I'm looking forward to trying that one. I, I like Lynn Sarah's a lot, too. Um, yeah. Other things coming in the portfolio um, is I've got basically a sister to, to say CR coming. Okay. A, basically a red-headed stepchild, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken the same concept of say CR, um, but I am now adding Lajero. I am adding a Lejero binder. I am wrapping it in broadleaf. I am box pressing it. Oh wow! I am putting it into a twenty-four count box. Yeah. And I'm calling it one and done. Nice. I like it because <laughs> college basketball fan. I want it to be one and done. Oh, one just and one done. time. <laughs> I want you to smoke that thing and be like, damn, That's damn. It. 
Yeah. That's the smoke that I wanted. Um, another thing that's coming in the queue is a cigar called Milk and Honey. Um, a little bit of inspiration from a guy named Lucas Keller. Um, that uh, he's got a company called Milk and Honey. This is not related. He is not endorsing it. Um, but is that uh, a cigar company? It's actually a music company. Oh, okay. Um, and so what I uh, smoked with him recently, and um, we talked, and I really liked, uh, really liked him, and. Um, I wanted to put together a cigar that was really fun and interesting, very much like this personality. And so this is the first time I'm doing something like this, where I'm modeling a cigar after someone, rather than like after my own thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so Milk and Honey is going to be your go-to breakfast cigar. Great. Like it is designed to do that. I mean, Leo Brown, who works with me, um, called it kind of like a dessert cigar. It could be a dessert cigar, but really, I want something, like my favorite morning stick is a Romeo and Juliet White Churchill. Uh, my second favorite is probably Perdomo's 10th Anniversary Figurado. Uh, and my third favorite, as of right now, would be like Steve Saka's uh, Boulet for a morning stick. Mm-hmm. I want my own morning stick. Goes well yeah. with coffee. Yeah, and my Nespresso machine, which pipes out the coolest different flavor profiles yeah. available. Yeah. So that's my bag. That's my bag of tricks yeah. right there. So, um, so I've got those. I've got those concepts in the queue. Um, I've got something really unique that I'm excited about. Um, it's a new shape. It'll be limited edition. Um, it is going to be called Elefante Elegante. Elefante Elegante. Yes. The shape of this cigar will be very similar to an elephant trunk. Oh, wow. A bit thick on one end, tapered down to another end, uh, or vice versa. I haven't really quite figured out the, the whole thing yet, but I have a feeling that I will have it uh, figured out by the time I get back from Nicaragua in February. Mm-hmm. But that's also in my in my new things. And I've got so much interesting, like, so I've got 25 SKUs registered with FDA. Mm-hmm. And all of them were concepts that I, like, conjured up, you know, prior to 2016 um, and did some, some tweaking in here and there and whatnot. And so a lot of the re-releasing of things that I had played with that went out locally that didn't really get to go national, you know, um, and so it's, uh, you know, I'm not making any more than 25. I'm not even going to attempt substantial equivalence um, with uh, with them. I'm not, you know, I'm just really not. Um, I think that once I hit my, 25, my 25th skew, that will be it, and I'll just be known for my 25, and that will be okay. Yeah. Um, From what we've seen in your first quarter of your portfolio, I don't think there'll be any problem whatsoever with you leaving an unbelievable mark on the industry. Um, a, once again, going back to the trifecta, like I said, when I spoke with you a uh, month or so behind, and you, when you showed me that cigar, I said, oh my gosh, this is an unbelievable cigar. And if you, if you are listening to this and you have not tried the trifecta, get to a, get to a lounge somewhere where you can try this particular cigar. Well, 
What we're going to do really, really quick is we're going to take a quick break. Mm -hmm. And then on the B side, we're going to um, let uh, uh, Patrick um, speak with some people because we're at a meet and greet today, actually. And we got some people coming in that actually do want to meet you. And we're going to briefly talk about the remaining teams on the NFL playoffs. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. This was interesting. I got to learn a lot. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks a lot, Patrick, for coming through. So whenever you guys are in Denver. And you're out for a smoke, you're out for a drink, you're out to go to one of the best lounges in Denver, Colorado, be sure to stop by 919 East Colfax, Denver, Colorado. Just five blocks down from the Capitol Building, wedged right between the Ogden Theater and the Fillmore Theater. Tons of cigars to try, tons of selections, both in the humidor and at the bar. Uh, very nice staff, fun vibe. There's, there's nowhere else to hang out. Definitely come through. Capital Cigars, 919 East Colfax. Well, that was interesting. We that had was Patrick cool. Potter, uh, founder of Tobacco Cigars, who came in, visited us, definitely came in, and um, he, spit, he spit quite a bit of knowledge. He just blessed us. That was a lot quite of, a bit of knowledge. A lot of this information. Is, we got this, school. this episode, episode 62, should be in your library when it comes <laughs> down to cigars, uh, composition of cigars, yeah. uh, things of that nature. He really, really is uh, one of the uh, just unbelievably... Um, versed in uh, the cigar community, the, yeah. the, the well, actually, you know, the making of cigars, yeah. what it really takes. I think a lot of people smoke a cigar and say, you know, I think I might not be able to roll one okay, but I think I could put some cigars together. Well, let me tell you, a lot goes in oh, yeah. to making a cigar. Yeah. yeah. I, he's, he's clearly a master of his craft. Even Absolutely. if he wouldn't use that term, I can. You yeah. know, and uh, I've this, I mean, I've had the unknown before. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of the trifectas. Yes. This Hoy Vivo is fantastic. I really exactly. enjoyed this cigar. And it was cool getting to smoke it while he kind of talked about the specific blend. Like, that was fascinating. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, um, you know what else it takes a lot of uh, to go into is trying to make a right pick in the NFL playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess we know it more, or I know it now more than any, because <laughs> I thought that I knew something, and oh my gosh, so yeah. I got burned. It's okay, man. I got you've, burned. You've, you've certainly given me a lot of, a lot more good advice than bad, okay? okay? So I'm not that mad that you talked me out of betting the Vikings. I'm not that mad that you talked me into betting the Patriots, because I know but we're gonna get it all back this week. All right, all right. All right we're still we're still up on the Neil Locks. Mm -hmm. It's like one point two five x or one point three x. So let's and we got this weekend, and then we got the championship game weekend and the Super mm -hmm. Bowl. So to to roll that into something special. Mm -hmm. All right. So without further ado, let's get into these four games this weekend. All right. There's there's two on Saturday, two on Sunday again. I love. The NFL playoffs, how they do that, with mm -hmm. both the wild card weekend and this weekend, mm -hmm. where they have four games, two Saturday, two Sunday. It's a nice, nice, comfortable balance, and I dig it. And uh, mm -hmm. let's go. What's uh, what's going on Saturday? 
So we've got the Minnesota Vikings. At the 49ers. At the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers at minus seven. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah. I think that might go up. So if you're going to bet the 49ers, you better do it now. Because they just announced that uh, uh, Thielen got banged up in practice this week. Now, I don't know if he's out or mm-hmm. anything, but even if he's not 100%, you know, that's going to have an impact mm-hmm. definitely on the spread, on the people who read of the game. Absolutely. I think, I still think, just like last week, that the Vikings are a threat. Yes. yes. They have weapons. Mm-hmm. Two, two, even if it's one and a half, they still got two great, two, two great wide receivers. They have to respect it. Mm-hmm. They have a super competent tight end who knows the game, savvy vet, you know, mm-hmm. and then they have, you know, arguably, arguably the best running back in, in, the, in the NFL right now, in, mm-hmm. in Dalvin Cook, right up there in the, in the conversation, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and and Kirk Cousins hasn't messed up yet, <laughs> I guess is the right way to right. say it, right? right. Um, they looked really good last week. Mm-hmm. The difference is when they were playing the Saints, the Saints, incredible offense, yes. you know, but their defense isn't the 49ers defense. No. The 49ers have have a real have yes. some real heavy hitters. Absolutely. You know? And the other thing is that offense might be able to keep up. You know, if the Vikings are at their absolute best, the 49ers mm-hmm. best is right there with it, you know. Absolutely. We've never and seen Garoppolo in the playoffs though. No. You know, and that's no. that's and and even if it was just last week, you know, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins had his moment in the playoffs. He had a really good game last weekend. So there's going to be a confidence level the Vikings have that, you know, it's that whole conversation of how beneficial is the off week, you know, for the guys that get to buy. Certainly, you know, the running backs and the ball carriers get tackled less. That's got to be good, you know. But the Vikings have a bit of a momentum, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if that number does go up past seven and a half, up to maybe eight, eight and a half, nine even, Right. Then I think you gotta you might you gotta take those points. <laughs> I mean right. I think I think the the 49ers probably win the game, yeah. but I don't think they win the game by double digits. I don't think they're I don't think we're gonna see a blowout. No, mm-hmm. um, but it depends. Once again, it's you know does Kirk Cousins fold? Yeah, you know? yeah, that's um, really the that's, that's that's the deciding thing is 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 is, is, is he can have a good game or a bad game. Correct. If he has a good game, the Vikings keep it close and maybe win. Yeah. And if he has a bad game. I don't think that they could beat the 49ers. Great coaching let's, on let's, the 49ers side. You know. Let's take a look at the second game this yeah. this, uh, this week in the NFL playoffs. On the Saturday. second game is the Tennessee Titans versus the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens being at home yeah. and are at a minus nine. That's a huge number in the playoffs. Huge number. Huge number in the playoffs. That's Well, let's talk about the Titans first. There's there's one of the other running backs in the conversation for mm-hmm. best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He is just a beast. Henry is just, he's, he's a monster out there. And he's, you know, he gets five, six yards, five, six yards, five, six yards. Next thing you know, at halftime, he already has 120 or That's whatever. Right. You know That's what right. I mean? Those numbers add up quick. You yeah. know, he eats up yardage. He eats up the clock. Mm-hmm. He can keep the number down. You know, keep That's the right. score down maybe. If, if you like the Titans... Or more importantly, keep uh, the Baltimore Ravens off, offense, their off. offense yeah. off the field. And so if you like the if you like the Titans, the better bet might be the under, not the not the point spread. You know what I mean? Maybe the over-under. But Baltimore's been so good all year. Right. They have arguably the best coach in the game who, who's been able to completely re, reorganize around them. 
a phenomenal player and, and, and recognizing the talent he has. Mm-hmm. They, they have, you know, three different Heisman Trophy winners from college, just guys that are, have been great their whole lives and are really good. They've got some speed at wide receiver. Like, that mm-hmm. offense is dangerous, right. you know? And I, as, as good as the Titans have played the mm-hmm. latter half of this year and, and really all year, mm-hmm. I just feel like, I feel like Baltimore can't be beat. Right now, right. you know, right. maybe next week, maybe in the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. I think Baltimore is advancing this week. Right. The question is, are they going to win by double digits? You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. That's that, tough. That's and, just and, tough to do. And, and that's the thing is the um, you look at this game and you say, do you see Baltimore? You don't see Baltimore going one and out or one and done on this particular game. But yeah. at the same time, you have to say to yourself, hey, do you also see them winning by nine points. Yeah, that's a big number. More than nine points. Yeah, it's a big so, number. Uh, it's that would be tough. Else, that'd be a really tough play. That would be a really tough something play. else to consider. Yeah. Uh, the next game, the next game is the that's Sunday morning, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is the Houston Texans at Kansas City, and the Chiefs are by nine and a half points okay. in that game. Another huge spread. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Too probably too many points. Right. But I, as good as Baltimore is, mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs might be the best team in the playoffs right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is he? It's him and Lamar Jackson. Right. They're the ones, right? And, right? and 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 they have so many weapons on offense, mm-hmm. and the coaching staff that knows how to use them, mm-hmm. right? They got playoff experience. Their defense seems to step up when they need to step up, mm-hmm. right? And so. Obviously, I want the Texans to win and advance and keep my future bet alive, but right. it's a buzzsaw. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it's a tough one this weekend for them. Right. I, you know, you think about so the Tennessee Titans beating the um, Patriots last week was definitely an upset. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that. You know, you look at there, and you, and you say, okay, as we go through these, you know, do you see Minnesota upsetting the 49ers? Do you see the Titans upsetting the Ravens? Or in this case, the Texans upsetting the Chiefs? God, I hope so. Um, yeah, you got the future bet. Tough. 40 to 1. I don't see I don't, I don't. don't see this upset happening. Like, I see the Chiefs winning. The question is... Is there is it a blowout situation? Because Deshaun Watson keeps keeps his team in games. And if the Tennessee Titans pull the short straw uh, to go against the Baltimore Ravens, then the real question is: the Texans definitely pull the second shortest straw going against the, yeah. the Chiefs. You know? Or other way around. I mean, who or knows? Way They're way both right. tough right. matchups. Exactly. Well, I'll say about the Texans: this in most of the games they've won this year, they've mm-hmm. been behind at some point. Okay. So if you're gonna, if I'm gonna bet the Texans in this game, I may wait till halftime and bet mm-hmm. the second half. They mm-hmm. like, they seem to like a little pressure. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they seem to excel later in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Watt coming back last week, like he he had an impact on his teammates and the fans. Mm-hmm. And it was it was evident. He had that one huge sack that really changed the momentum of the game. Right. And. Uh, but other than that one big play, I mean, he was a factor in the game, mm-hmm. you know, but he wasn't the J.J. Watt we expect. Now, 
one game back, maybe he's a little bit more confident with coming off the injury the second week. Maybe that defense can really we just need to slow down the Chiefs, and that offense can score. The Texans' offense can score. So if they're able to slow down the Chiefs, maybe it's a close game at the end. You know, right. I, if I'm betting the spread, I like all those points. That's a lot of points. But I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are going to get through this game with a W. Um, last game is last the one that's most interesting to me. Yep, is the Seattle Seahawks um, at Green Bay and the Packers by minus four. Okay. Now, am I? Did Seattle beat Green Bay this earlier? This? No. No, they didn't play this year. They did. I don't think so. Huh. I can't remember. I can't but remember. I, I mean, I've been talking about the Packers all year. That mm-hmm. they're not as good as their record indicates, right? They're mm-hmm. not. They might be the worst thirteen and three team ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that they're a complete team, and their weakness, and it's evident all year, is defending the long throw. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that DK Metcalf is going to have the best game of his early career, right? and I think that's going to be the difference maker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's great that they have Marshawn Lynch, but. That running game is to be lacking, right? I think that the the Seattle Seattle passing game is where is where the difference is going to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Packers can run the ball really well. Adam Jones is having a great year. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback. But I think that Seattle's defense can can handle the run, contain the run. I guess is the right way to say it. Mm-hmm. And and I think their offense is going to put some points on the board. And I. Beyond the point spread, I think Seattle's going to win the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not in the um, studio level today. We're actually on the floor. Yeah, so if you hear some the, background noise. If you hear some background fine, noise, yeah. uh, that's what you're getting. Uh, yeah, Seattle, no, they did not play uh, Green Bay this year in the regular season. Right. So I was wrong on that. But um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, they. I feel like the Packers are in the playoffs largely because the Chicago Bears underperformed this year. They had a, the Packers had a pretty pretty good schedule. They got to mm-hmm. play some of the, the the bottom teams in the league. Correct. Um, I feel like well, also Detroit had an off year. I feel like we could almost say that every other year or every year. Right. But be, I mean, they're the they got to compile some wins that they didn't necessarily. They weren't even always the best team in the game. <laughs> they were. They right. got their wins, you know. And they, and they so, won. Correct. And so you can't be mad at them. Like, forget that. They got 13 wins. That's saying a lot. They had. Mm-hmm. They, they, excelled this year when I didn't really think they would. I bet the under nine and a half wins on the season. I lost. Mm-hmm. But I think this is, this is where it ends for them. It's been a good year. Good, mm-hmm. you know. They, over, they, they, they overperformed, and and now we're we're, we're they're gonna. Face a team that wants it more. I feel like Seattle has. I love their coach. Mm-hmm. This is, and this is Lafleur's first first playoff game as a head coach, right? And that's that's got to be daunting to an, to an extent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so Pete Carroll's done it. Man, the yeah. Seahawks have done it. Yeah. Seahawks got a ring. <laughs> they they lost in the in the Super Bowl. They know the mm-hmm. range of emotions that comes with playoff. Football, yeah. and I, I just suspect that they're gonna 
I, I suspect that, like I said, not only are they going to cover the spread or beat the spread, I think they're going to win the game. Right. I just can't wait for them to get back to the Super Bowl, hopefully, and for a running uh, situation <laughs> in the red zone and see if they hand it to Marshawn Lee. Yeah, and, they will. Uh, they have to. Right? That's the storyline. Anyway. So those are the four games. Those are the four games. I've shared my thoughts. need you to pick a winner. Well, you did. You shared your thoughts on each individual game, yeah. but you didn't say out of the four which one really sticks out. Is, to you. It's not clear. My favorite pick out of the four, the Seattle game. Yeah, I really like Seattle on the road in, in Green Bay. Now, put last week out of your mind because, okay. like I said, we are up mm-hmm. on the Neil locks. All right, you've done very well, and we've, we've practiced good bankroll management. But we're going to have to put our whole stack on this. You know what I mean? Everything we're up is going on in this game. Agreed. Agreed. So pick the right one. All right. I feel <clears throat> that there's a potential upset in the making. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel that um, I could actually see, and I know this sounds crazy because it's the largest spread on the board. I could see the Houston Texans covering the... It's a lot of points. Yeah, at the very least, covering the spread. They I just could actually keep it close. see them on an upset. I could, I could feel it in my bones that I can't see the Tennessee Titans with Baltimore. I'll just throw that out. Right. Okay, that, that I do not see. Right. However, the Houston Texans game, I just want to honorable mention that I could possibly see them taking out the Chiefs. That'd be... Fantastic. Okay. But I, I can see him keeping it close. Like, I can see yeah. him beating the spread. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd have to go with you as well that the Seattle Seahawks beating Green Bay is a definite. They're not, you know, man, if they were in Seattle, I would be like, ding, 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 oh, ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Well, that's why we're getting four points. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they yeah, can exactly. lose by a field goal. We still win our bet. Yeah, exactly. All right. Is that it? Is, is We're going with Seattle? We're going with Seattle. I dig it. All right. There's another Neil Locke and another episode of Bet Your Ash. Episode 62. Oh, episode 62. In the 70s, the Dolphins had a football player named Jim Langer. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He he was the cornerstone of the 70s Dolphins teams that won the Super Bowls 7-8. Uh, and eight. and they mm-hmm. got that undefeated 17-0 season. Uh-huh. With Mercury Morris and all those guys yeah, that get together yeah. and drink every year after the uh-huh. last team gets a lot to get a loss, gets their loss. Um, so Jim Langer won number sixty-two, and there it is. There you go, sixty-two. So um, this was a fun episode, man. Yeah, I learned a lot about cigars. That was fun. Great thanks to Patrick Potter, yeah, uh, coming all the way to Cal- from California to sit in with us. What a life and, he's got, uh, man. He gets to not just blend and create. Fantastic cigars, and right. he gets to travel around and just smoke cigars with assholes like us. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're not an asshole. I am. Hey, I've been called worse. <laughs> uh, the uh, he's out doing the meet and greet. We got that kicking off here in the lounge. Yeah. Um, Capital Cigars does a nice event. If you're ever mm-hmm. in town and it happens to work out that there's a special event going, meet and greet, whatever. Come by, man. It's a nice, Absolutely. nice little party. Look for us on Facebook, yep. Capital Cigars in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Instagram. Um, we definitely put out Capital our Cigars Denver. events that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can uh, stop by and uh, 
enjoy the uh, experience. Yeah, and then obviously we're on Instagram too. It's at BetYourAshPod. We're also on Twitter and our you know our newly redesigned website BetYourAsh.com. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on in 2020. A lot of new stuff we're going to have a lot of guests. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some cool stuff beyond just audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's uh, tons of announcements coming. Tons of stuff. Coming. Absolutely. So hang out and uh, keep listening. And let's go back. If you haven't heard other episodes, go back and listen to the Unknown Cigar episode. Go back and listen to some of the other uh, podcast episodes that we put out. And uh, yeah, this was fun, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere AroPay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Punto com para detalles.